Thanks for tuning in to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged to walk out the gospel as you hear this message from Pastor Gary Hay. This morning, I want to talk about uh, basically some things that will help us to, to build on where we're at. We're experiencing a tremendous time of outpouring in the church. And so what my goal is as a pastor, my motivation is more of a teacher. And so my goal always is to equip people so that whatever is going on in their life, they can grow and, and continue to progress in their lives and not just go from mountaintop to mountaintop or valley to valley, whichever the case might be. And so we're going to talk about that today in something I've entitled The Journey. Uh, I'll probably have to do the second half of it next week, but uh, turn in your Bibles with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 5. And this, the book of Romans, by the way, if you've never become familiarized with it, is probably one of the very, very most concise and powerful statements in the, in the whole Bible about our faith and, and really backing it up and telling you how it's developed and how to maintain yourself in it. And today, I want to talk about these five verses. They're very compact, they're very powerful, and they will change your life if you, if you understand them. It says, therefore, and as I've many times said, when you see a therefore in the Bible, look backwards to see what it's there for. I don't have time to do that today, so you just go ahead and read chapter 4 on your own. You'll be glad you did. But it says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that... Uh, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. As we unpack this today, I hope that you will be able to get a hold of some, some points of reference in your life that will really, really help you. The journey, the reason I, I named it that today is let's just imagine for a moment that, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, it's the summertime, let's say, and we're tired of the heat, and we, we say, you know, Colorado, would that be awesome? And we think about the mountains, and we think about nice rivers, and we think about cooler temperatures, and we just look at each other and say, let's crawl in the car and let's go. And you make preparations to do that, and so you head out, and, and then five hours later, you're in Kansas, I don't hate, I'm not hating on Kansas here today, you know, I understand what I'm saying, but, you know, when you're thinking mountains and you got something that's so flat that the most interesting thing in the real estate you're seeing is the overpass at the interstate. I mean, we're talking bull ring and we're talking hours and hours and hours. You know for a fact that there's got to be mountains out there somewhere, but you're not seeing any evidence of it. There's a lot of times in our lives when it's like that. We've gone through moments where we said, oh, what's possible? What's possible? And we start thinking, oh, and we, especially as Christians, we know there's some stuff we haven't experienced yet. There's some stuff we long for. There's some stuff we know is true, but somehow where we are right now, it doesn't make any sense. We don't know how to get there from here. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. It's there. The kingdom of God is an unfolding thing. It's increasing. 
It's increasing around the world. You would look at the media and say, no, it can't possibly be doing that. But there are inroads being made that you and I don't understand. God is doing things. And for you and I as individuals, my, my goal today is to say, listen, everything that God has for you has a process to get there. There's always a way to it. He doesn't just tell you this exists and, and just leave it at that. He tells you that it exists, and then he draws you into that experience. And so today we want to talk just for a little while. And this is kind of a story that would be the same as uh, like an attorney that double-checks pertinent facts and strategy before heading to court, or a business owner that takes time to thoroughly evaluate resources before an expansion, or even like a soldier who makes a last-minute check of his weapons in anticipation of an imminent battle. The great apostle Paul draws from his experience to remind us and to acquaint us with a group of assets and practices essential to our success, which he outlines in the first five verses of Romans chapter 5. First of all, let's remind ourselves of four critical assets that, that our faith in Christ has given us. This is so huge. What normally happens to people when they go through periods of life and like what we've been going through, I mean, it's been fantastic. No question about it. We've believed God for this for years, and now it's breaking out among us, and, and we want to maintain and sustain every part of that we possibly can. But can I just say, Every day is not a mountaintop. I know that doesn't come as a surprise, but sometimes we get spiritually naive and we think it's going to be that way. Every, you can't have mountaintops without valleys. Have you ever thought about that? You can't. You, you can't have just one huge mountain in the world. You've got to have some valleys in between. And in the valley is sometimes one of the most fruitful places. Pastor Charity Teaching this class on soaking, I want to highly recommend, among all the good classes, this principle. Soaking in the presence of God is so huge because our minds are, are so encumbered with so many things. Remember what, what Jesus said to Martha. He said, your, your mind is encumbered with, so much, much, with much serving, and Mary's chosen the better part. There's something about us that needs to unplug from all our stimuli, and sit before the Lord in a worshipful moment and hear what the Spirit is saying to us. He won't shout down everything else that's going on in your life. You've got to slow down and quiet down sometimes to hear His voice. There's a time for shouting, and there's a time for sitting before the Lord in quiet. And both of those places are essential, but a lot of the times we don't do that one. Because it's hard to get yourself quieted down enough to do that. But let me just give you these four things really quickly. Justification. Justification, if I could simplify it, it's a, it's a large doctrine to talk about. But justification is basically saying to you, it's just as if you'd never sinned. When Jesus bore our diseases and our sins upon his body on the cross... And when he said, it is finished, he meant, it is finished. He had done the work. He had done the work that had been forecasted and foreshadowed in the Passover lamb that would be slain for a house and the death angel would pass over. Jesus became the final Passover lamb. And so what happens at that point when his blood was shed, it was shed for the remission of sin. It had been prophesied since the very first book in the Bible that it would happen. 
and God's own son became the Passover lamb for us. And where this becomes important is I need to know that I'm no longer living in that Old Testament scenario where I couldn't really be released from my sins and you had to continually give sacrifices all the time. Jesus died once and for all. And it is now possible for me to live my life knowing that I have been made justified before God. Now, why is that important? It's hugely important because many times our own conscience and our own thinking and, and, and I should say this, that we're not just battling against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age. And, and the enemy is categorized and, and named the accuser of the brethren. There is nothing that will shut you down faster in prayer, nothing that will shut you down faster in, in serving God than the accusations of the enemy coming and basically saying, yeah, yeah, you're, you're all of this. You know, during worship today, you had some bad thoughts. Last week, you did this. You thought this. You were this. You are this. What we've got to understand is that when Jesus said it is finished, and he said, I have made you accepted in the beloved. When the Lord looks at at, at us, he sees through Jesus. That blood he laid down for you justifies you and qualifies you to go before the Lord's presence just like anybody else, just like the most holy person you've ever thought of or known. God wants you to understand you're not here because you've been a good boy or girl this week. I don't recognize you because of that. I recognize you because you are under the blood of my son. And on that basis, I receive you. That's so cool. When you understand that, you know, so many people, I've I've pastored for over 40 years now. And in that length of time, I have watched countless people disqualify themselves unilaterally from all of God's goodness. Oh, God would never do that for me. For you, he would, but he'll never do that for me. Can I just say, there's none good. The Bible says there's none good. No, not one. All of sin and comes short of the glory of God. And that is so that we could all be confined under sin so that in one fell swoop, Jesus could come and eradicate that situation from our existence. It's so wonderful when you realize that Agape love has been shed on you. Agape love is different than other kinds of love. It's on purpose, not on accident. Agape love loves without expecting anything in return. God's not waiting for you to be this or that or the other thing before he'll pour out his love on you. You need to know for sure that you're sure that he loves you. And he said he has, and he said he does. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And so when we had come to him in that frame of mind, faith is possible. Otherwise, we're not too sure he cares. We're not too sure he wants to talk to us. And it's a, it's a terrible tragedy when people live their lives that way. Secondly, uh, we've been told here that we have peace with God. He's rejoicing over the fact that we have peace with God. And, and I want to say that it's, peace is not a treaty. I mean, peace is a treaty, uh, not, not, not a truce. Peace is it's a treaty, not a truce. A truce is a temporary thing based on certain conditions that are being met temporarily. But a treaty says it's over, it's finished, it's done. The conflict is gone. 
And the Lord wants us to understand that we have that kind of a treaty with him through the blood of Jesus. Thirdly, he wants us to know that we have access to grace. Grace is not just favor that we don't deserve. Grace is also capabilities. When we read about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, those are called graces. Same word is used there. And so God not only extends grace to us benevolently, he extends grace to us proportionally and purposefully so that we can demonstrate the kingdom of God, so that we be a full participant in all the promises and all the giftings that belong to us. I, I grew up Southern Baptist, and, and one of the tragedies of that was we loved God, and we loved the Word of God, but we, we decided that the gifts of the Spirit ended after the death of the last apostle. I don't know where we ever came up with that. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the bottom line of it is we, we shut ourselves down from the power side of things. We, we, had the, we had the doctrine well. We loved the Word of God. But we had to ignore the Word of God in certain places because we had a theological issue that we wanted to protect. And so what I'm saying to you is the graces of God are available to us. You may say, well, you know, Pastor, I, I, I can't really do this, and I can't really do that, and I've never this, and I've never that. That's, that's okay, because the truth of the matter is Jesus had the same, same sense of it when he said, I only say what I hear my Father say, and I can only do what I see my Father doing. And that's why it's so important to take a class like Paul's where you're learning about the voice of God and, and prophetic things, because prophetic things are actually people speaking for God. And so we all have that capability. Believe you me, the, his sheep do hear his voice, and they know him, and they follow him. And it's a thing that we need to all get comfortable with because God is speaking. And when God speaks, there is a release of kingdom activity. There's a release of power. There's a release of wisdom that is practicable in the world. And he wants us all to be conversant with that. I, I've, I've, I've just been painful to me over the years to watch people that literally uh, go away after a Sunday service or... And what have you, and they don't feel like they can hear from God until they get back to church the next week. Or they get in a counseling session uh, with somebody that they feel can hear from God. Let me, let me just say that the Holy Spirit that's been given to you speaks. And he speaks what he hears from the Father. And he brings to remembrance the things that Jesus said. It is a powerful thing when we realize we're walking around wired for sound. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, lives in you. We can't downgrade that and, and prosper. We need to understand that we come with everything we need to be successful, anointed, powerful, and useful to God. And He desires it for us. He desires to work through you. I, I'm just thrilled, to be honest, with what I'm seeing. I, I mean, over the years, I remember coming to Springfield... When we had like, you know, just a handful of people, and I think we had four families in the start. And the Lord laid on my heart a scripture. And it was that the body grows by that which every joint supplies out of Ephesians chapter 4. And I preached that, and I preached that, and I preached that. And you couldn't, people were used to just being spectators. And getting volunteers was so difficult. And trying to build a ministry was so difficult. And, and, but we kept preaching it and kept believing for it and kept talking about it and kept encouraging it. And, and you know what? We, we, we hit a threshold. Threshold. I don't know what a threshold is. I know what a threshold is. 
we hit a threshold uh, not too long ago where 75% of our congregation was volunteering somewhere. 75%. And that's, uh, here's the thing, that wasn't just the good news. The good news is as people began to volunteer, their gifting started to expand. You faithful in little, you become ruler over much. We've seen people writing books. We've seen people writing songs. We've seen people doing all kind of creative things that are, that are building up the kingdom of God. And, and you always, who do these things, become recipient of more because you've been faithful with what the Lord's poured out to you. We're not just trying to hold on to the end. A lot of gospel that was preached for many, many years was a, was a gospel of hanging on so you can make it to heaven. Well, heaven's assured if you're walking with Jesus. I mean, you're going to go there. It's, it's on the route. And, and so we just need to understand that. But the bottom line of this thing is God wants to partner with you. He wants to flow through your, your resources, and he wants to give you new resources so that you can be part of the ingathering of souls that one day will present to him. Don't you want to be able to present something to him someday except a grudging tithe? Huh? I do. And I'm so excited to see what is happening. And I want to encourage those of you that are still kind of in that spectator mode. You think, well, I don't really have any gifts. I I don't really know how to sing. And, you know, hey, there's so much to be done. Just loving people is the business we're in. And when we do that, God pours through us new things, and we're the beneficiary. We get the byproducts from all that. So I hope you'll do that. I hope you'll, I hope you'll listen. I hope you'll be part of that. Now, the last one here is sharing his glory, rights of participation. Sharing his glory now and forever are to be considered our heritage. Glory is one of those words that um, kind of is just religious. And we say glory to God. We say you know, whatever, and, and we don't really know what it means. There's a couple of ways that can be defined. One of them is uh, the word kabod, which is one of the favorite words in the Old Testament for glory. It means weight or substance. It's something that's it's weighty. You know, it's not just frivolous. It really has, a, it has an impact, and the glory of God does do that. But another way of, of looking at the, at the term, and one that's more practicable for us, I would say, is an outward shining of an inward quality. Uh, when we talk a lot of times about DNA in an organization or in a family, you know, you can tell if someone has the DNA of this person right here because they're carrying certain traits. And so it's an outward working of this inward thing that's there. And when we're talking about God's glory, we're talking about the majesty of God and, 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 a, and a sense of, of, of power and, and greatness and all of those things. Well, here's the deal. God is not just saying, I want you to recognize my glory. He said, I'm going to put my glory inside of you. You've been created in my image. Whether you realize it or not, you have all the assets necessary for God to, to exude glory through you. When, when Pastor Josh leads worship or preaches and when charity leads or many other people around here, you can just see God shining through them. And that is the pattern that God wants us to understand is normal. Every one of us are equipped to be a person through whom God's glory can shine. And it happens in various ways. People have gifts that are, that are diverse and personalities that are diverse. And every one of those personalities fills in the whole of what God wants to be in a community. 
And so if you, if you are a highly emotional person, be highly emotional for Jesus. If you are an introverted person, be introverted for Jesus. Learn how to soak and learn how to share what you get. There is no, there is no one size fits all spirituality. You know? And we have a lot of pressure to be like so-and-so or we admire so-and-so. We, well, you need to be what God created you to be. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't say, you know, we're running out of parts here. We, we, need, we, need, to, we need to kind of just, you know, get something that cobble it together. You were created in his image. And he has a beautiful way of expressing himself through you. Get comfortable with that. Utilize that. And serve God with it. I see a lot of people trying to be somebody they're not. And it doesn't work. Then following these four things, which are all awesome, he adds a word of instruction based on what he has learned from his own journey. We didn't see this one coming. He said, glory in your sufferings. This unexpected piece of advice prods us to grow beyond the why me attitude and encourages the adoption of a more trusting and forward-looking attitude that asks instead, what can this produce in me? Now, before I go past this, let me say, let me stress this, that everything that comes down the pike that's negative or hurtful or destructive in your life uh, is not just to be accepted. My default position when something awful is happening is I, I go to God and ask Him to remove it, change it, Help me to fix it, whatever the deal is. Ask him for wisdom in the situation. That's my default position. How many of you know some things you can't rebuke? How many of you know there are some things you can't rebuke? Some stuff you just got to go through. Now, the thing is this. You shouldn't think that to be abnormal. Now, let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. There's a huge body of teaching in the Scripture about this very thing. And, you know, you're not going to get too many people excited about this until they understand that there's an amazing amount of grace that God pours out. One of, the, one of my favorite aspects of this is the Bible says God will not tempt you, test you, or try you beyond that which you are able and With every test, with every temptation, and with every trial, he will make a way of escape. Wow. That means if he allows you to go through something that won't rebuke, that you can't pray your way out of, that means he's saying to you, I trust you, and I will help you do what needs to be done. I will help you survive this. I will help you go through this. In fact, you're going to glory in this. Because something inside of you is going to make a testimony out of this. Your heart is going to grow. I'm going to anoint your mind. I'm going to have you in a position where people look at you and say, how on earth are you doing this? How can you put up with this? And my friends, there are more people that relate to our problems than our victories. It is a quick way into people's heart and mind because they say, well, I I can relate to that. They can't always relate to us on our mountaintop experience. But we need our mountaintop experience to sustain us when we're in that valley place. But when we're in the valley place, we don't want to take on the the look and the feel and and the yuck of that valley place. So God wants to show light in a dark place. 
And he says, I will not test you beyond what you're able. How many times have I heard people come in and say, I just, I just, I can't do this, Pastor. I, I, I can't make it through this. I, I, I'm done. Well, your estimation of your capabilities is premature. Because God says, I will help you. I will help you. And that's what we need to know going in. Now, once we, once we get in these things, there's going to be some, some demarcations. There's going to be some places where uh, we see some growths in some areas that we'll talk about here pretty quick. But before I do that, let me say this. The reason this is such an important topic is that an uninformed believer is likely to fall prey to the deception of opposition, uh, that opposition or persecution uh, has occurred. Because they've missed the will of God, perhaps, or, or because uh, they think he's just departed from them. That's not going to happen. He said, I'll never leave you, and I will never forsake you. I'll be with you always. But here's the thing. If we believe that, we can become in a place where, where we uh, let, have bitterness build up inside of us hopelessness can build up inside of us like the lady we heard about earlier and even anger at God. I've personally seen, uh, seen two big revivals in my lifetime and I think we're entering into a third right now where it was just amazing when people just turned themselves inside out with God and, and it was so exciting and so thrilling and, and, and the healings were happening, the, the miracles were happening in many, many cases, hundreds of people getting saved. I, I've seen it. I've been there. Problem is, a lot of those people weren't very durable. A lot of them were all excited going in and then fell flat and we never saw them again. What a tragedy that is. And the enemy rejoices over that kind of thing. God didn't save you just to have you fall away. He didn't save you just to have you become uh, lethargic and inert as a Christian. And so we need to understand something that it is very critical that we know how to negotiate the valleys and peaks principles. It's going to happen in some way, shape, or form. Enjoy it when it's on the mountain. And God can also help you enjoy it when you're not because he's good. His joy endures. Joy has nothing to do with circumstances. Now, let me just mention this. In verse 3, this unsettling phrase called tribulations or suffering literally translates like this. You might relate to this. Pressure, oppression, anguish, adversity, affliction, squashing, squeezing. I don't know if that's the, you know, the aggressive kind or not, but it, it gets bad. And then distress. And the word that, that we see here for tribulation or, or, or whatever, even suffering, was the same word that was used to describe the process. And I, I stood up in, in Israel one day up on the, uh, the upper parts above uh, Sea of Galilee, and, and this guy said, listen, do you know what this is? And there, were, there was a kind of a stone platform there with a framework built up out of it, and then a big, another big stone, and then a, a big screw apparatus that had, had some handles on it. And he said, you know what this is? I said, well, it looks like some kind of a press of some sort. He says, that's what it is. It's an olive press. And he says, what we do is we put the, the ripened fruit on this lower stone, and then we we turn that thing until it crushes that, that olive and squeezes the oil out of it. And that's the word that's used here. Same thing with wine presses. They have the same kind of apparatus. And, and what I want you to know is that 
God is not just inadvertently or because or, or he's kind of mean or kind of ticked off putting us through things like that. He puts us through some of those things so that he can show his glory in us. So that, you know, you'll know what is in you when it comes out under pressure. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so it's a, it's a process that God uses uh, to expose the world to somebody who's different. And so it's a process getting there, but that's what he's doing. Paul was not alone in his teaching on the subject. The Lord Jesus, Peter, and James all left us with words confirming the same concept. John 16, for instance, he says, In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. You know, Pastor Josh was talking the last couple of weeks about two things that I think are relevant here. Number one, he talked to us about the whole process of wineskins. And the wineskin has to be many times restored or prepared for its job. It has to be strong. It has to be tough. But it also has to be flexible to allow for, for the process that happens in wine as it ferments. And the other thing he talked to us about a couple of weeks back uh, was the, the, the suffering and the, and the persecution and the pushback And one of the principles we always need to remember is that the natural mind is at war with God. In other words, even your own mind is working against you a lot of the time, and we call it logic or common sense or whatever. In many cases, common sense is against uh, faith because you can't prove it. You can't prove it by logic. It's, It's a spiritual thing. And the other thing we need to understand is that the world is basically controlled in many ways by demonic activity. So there's amazing pushback against the church, amazing pushback against the people of God, the Jews. And so we have, we have to understand something, that everybody's not going to pat us on the back. In fact, there, there's a lot of horrible... In fact, Paul, look, look at Paul. He said one time, I believe it was Paul, uh, he said... This has all happened to me for the furtherance of the gospel. He's talking about his false imprisonments and all the things that he was, he was up against. In fact, he had a death sentence on his life. And he said, this all happened for the furtherance of the gospel. And I've thought many times, if he had not been put in prison where he had to sit in one place with an amanuensis and talk to the amanuensis who would then write down the scriptures, if he hadn't been forced into that by being put in house arrest and later on in prison... Uh, how much would we have from him? Because he was always on a boat to somewhere. He was always running around with his hair on fire. And when he wasn't preaching, he was building tents, making tents to support himself. How many books would we have? And yet he said, all this happened to me for the furtherance of the gospel. I wonder how many things might have happened in your life and mine that God intended to be for the furtherance of the gospel so that in your distress you had a victory in your voice and a joy in your heart that people could not understand. And when you begin to talk, they relate to that and say, how do you, how do you deal with it? How do you be like this? How can you live like this? You know, people asking us questions is much more, much more effective and us just proclaiming. In the advertising business, we used to say, uh, we don't want to be answering questions nobody's asking. God wants to make people hungry through your life so that when you speak, it has a resonance to it. It has a, it has a power to it because they see it working in your life. A lot of theories out there. But we want to see something that works. We want to see God's glory displayed in moments when other people would be destroyed. I, I can tell you this, that without any, without any shadow of, uh, of fear of um, overemphasizing this, uh, 
The times when I've learned the most about the Lord, the times when I have had the greatest touch from God have been the times when I was the lowest. Arrogance is an amazing thing. You know, we can get to the point where we think we kind of have it all pretty well wired and, and you know, we, we're not really hungry. But, boy, when you hit the bottom, when you come to a place where your easy answers don't answer, when you come to a place that you don't know how to get out of it, and you cry out to God and God comes near to you, man, I'll tell you what, there's something that happens. David, David had it right. He said, you prepare a table before me in the midst of my enemies. You can have a meal right in the face of your enemies. And I can promise you this, that when you come to that moment, I'm not, I'm not hoping you do, but I know you will at some point. I know there's people in this room today that say, you know, I, I see everybody really happy and I see excitement going on, but why don't I feel that? Why am I the guy? Why am I the girl that, that just doesn't feel that? Well, that doesn't have to be a t- permanent condition. But I do want you to know if you're there, while you're there, the Lord is not deaf. I want you to know that he wants you to call upon him. In fact, James in, in the scripture I was going to quote said, you know, you know, don't, 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 don't just go through the thing. Cry out for wisdom. Let me read it to you. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, lacking nothing. And then after that verse, he writes, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives it to all liberally and basically never makes you feel ashamed for asking. Can I just tell you that it could just be that that low spot you hit, it's not, you don't, don't, don't put a mailbox up there. Don't, don't plan to stay there. Don't just say this is just the way it's always been. At that moment, when you hit your low point, get quiet before God and say, God, here's where I'm at. He already knows. But you might need to admit it. You might need to admit it. And say to him, Father, I need your wisdom. Can you open the eyes of my understanding that I can see what you're saying? Can I hear your voice? Because I'll tell you something, there is nothing that calms the storm in a person's life like hearing the voice of God. Whenever God speaks to you, all of heaven stands on tiptoe waiting to accomplish the thing that he has just said. I don't know a better promise than that. Today as we close, I've succeeded in getting my introduction done so we'll hit it again next week if you can handle it i I hope i haven't haven't raised your misery index today by talking like this but but i i know what i'm saying and i know that god is so cool the way he takes your bad day and turns it into a banner day and one that can be shared would you stand here